Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, today we have uh, Coach Tom Wilson with us. He is the head football coach at uh, Dowling Catholic High School in uh, West Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, coach, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I, I'm doing all right, Coach. I'm doing all right. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and Coach was gracious enough to come on and uh, talk a little ball and talk about his program today with us. Um, kind, of, kind of before we get started, though, and, and we talked about a little bit a little about this before you came on. You know, we'll, at least we start recording, Coach. Uh, do you want to kind of tell uh, coaches for who don't know who you are or uh, don't don't know a lot about you about how you end up at um, Dallin Catholic and kind of the road that path has taken you? Sure. Uh, I graduated from college in 1990, and uh, ironically enough, I applied for a position. Uh, I was an elementary teacher, and the head football coaching job was open. And at that point in time, I didn't think there was any way in the world I would get a chance to be a head coach coming out of college. But uh, it was kind of a, a strange situation where it was at a very small school in Iowa, English Valleys, and uh, in North English, Iowa, which is just outside Iowa City. Um, the coach uh, the year before had passed away suddenly in the middle of the season. And so things were in somewhat in disarray. They really didn't have a plan uh, for obvious reasons. And when I applied for the job, I figured it'd be one of those where they probably have somebody on staff that's, that's going to take over the position. And uh, ironically enough, I was wrong. And uh, as I got into the, the interview, I, I figured out that, they didn't have a plan of succession that uh, I was applying and interviewing for the head football job. And lo and behold, I got that. And, and uh, I'm not sure I was ready. As a matter of fact, I know I wasn't. Uh, it was somewhat sink or swim at that point in time and uh, spent three years there, which was a great learning experience. We had some success, uh, but at, after three years, I moved on to another school called Wilton, which is a two-way school in Iowa. So I would say middle of the road classification wise, but a step up from where I was. Uh, spent two years there and then I got the opportunity. Uh, Bill Lynch at Ball State University uh, took over the, the head football job um, at Ball State and, and we'd kind of had a family connection um, through the years. And, and uh, I applied to be a GA uh, on his staff and, and, uh, I was, uh, I took that job and, and, uh, left a, a job that I really liked and spent two years at Ball State and, uh, learned a ton. I was with a great staff with a, with a great group of people and, uh, we were able to, to play on the Las Vegas Bowl during my time there. And, uh, then it was time, uh, really to make a decision whether I wanted to go down the college path or, or get back to, the state of Iowa and, and uh, be a high school coach again. And, you know, to be honest, um, we felt that my, my wife and I, 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 her dad was my head football coach in high school and our roots were, were in the state of Iowa. And so uh, we decided we would come back. Uh, it was time to, for us to start a family and we wanted to do that in the state of Iowa. Uh, so then 
I took a job at Dyke New Hartford High School, which is near Cedar Falls or University of Northern Iowa. Uh, for those of that have heard of that school, uh, spent eight years there, uh, loved every minute of it. Uh, was an elementary teacher and, and the head football coach, and along with some other sports. And and then um, Dowling Catholic job came open. I was contacted about that position and uh, really wasn't sure that I wanted to apply. I had flirted around with a couple other jobs during my eight years and really didn't want to go down that road again. And then got another phone call to see if I was interested. And I thought, you know, why does it hurt to apply? Um, and so being a public school person my whole life that is not Catholic, I didn't really figure Dowling Catholic was going to be the fit for me. And uh, But I went ahead, went down, uh, applied, then got a chance to interview, interviewed a couple times, and here we are 16 years later, um, you know, at Dowling Catholic. It's been a great move for me professionally. Uh, it's a great school. Uh, there was a program that had history before I got there that had kind of dipped a couple of years prior to me getting there and, and uh, really we've had some unprecedented amount of success since then and obviously there's an awful lot that goes into that. Yeah coach and that's kind of where I wanted to lead next I mean you, you've had some some pretty good success there um, what do you think I mean and, and this is a very broad question there's about 8,000 ways you can go with this but um, what, what do you think has kind of led to some of your success? Well, you're right. That's that's very broad. And I, I guess to take it in steps, really, one of the first things that I tried to do was assemble a staff that that I felt uh, that I trusted. And, you know, I wasn't bringing anybody with me or anything like that from my, my previous staff. Uh, that gets really difficult to do unless you have the, the right teaching jobs open. But um, I was able to interview everybody off the staff that wanted to stay the previous staff. I could keep who, who I wanted. I could bring who I wanted in. And uh, assembling a staff, I think, was really, really critical for me. And, you know, even that first year, I'm not sure that I was totally comfortable where we were at. And I know my AD at the time just said, let's be patient. You know, it takes a few years to get the staff assembled that you want. And uh, I was able to do that. And, you know, now I can say after 16 years, we, we have very little turnover in our, our coaching staff. And most of us have been together a majority of those 16 years. And I think the other thing is really just laying the groundwork for the program. And by that, you know, what, what do you want your program to stand for? And, you know, for us, it was going to be work ethic. It was going to be accountability. Um, obviously, um, we had expectations of our kids in the weight room, and, and I think a lot of, obviously, a lot of coaches do that, but, you know, how are you going to hold kids accountable, and how are you going to get them to, to be doing the things that you want them to do in order to be successful? And, you know, to me, I think it was just building the culture of hard work, of discipline, um, of accountability, and, you know, at, once we started in, and, you know, that first year, we were able to go to the state semifinals, and, and we were beaten in a close game against our rival, you know, I felt like, you know, we really set the, the foundation at that point for success. And, you know, it took us a few years longer uh, before we got our first state championship, but I really felt early on, uh, we were able to establish what we stood for. And I think that part is still carrying on today. Now, kind of, kind of building off that, and it kind of made me think of something here. Um, how much has, your program changed over the past 16 years now. I mean, and, and part of that is scheme oriented, but also culture oriented. 
How much is how much have you changed things over the course of that sixteen years? Uh, you know, I, I think it it uh, kind of varies. I, I first thing I wanted to say was a lot, and I think part of that is I mentioned my staff, and I've got some guys that are you know, younger on my staff, or at least younger than I am, that I think come up with some great ideas just at uh, being able to connect with kids. And um, I think we have changed that way. I, I, my philosophy was always to grind and, you know, we had fun after you won ball games. And, you know, I think through the years, what we've found out is, you know, as coaches, uh, we've probably worked smarter instead of harder at this point. I, I attribute my assistant coaches to that. But I think we've evolved immensely um, from those first few years, whether it's the style of play, um, whether it's how we connect with kids. But um, the relationships has always been really, really important to me, really important to our staff. Um, I just think we go about things differently now. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's take leadership, for example. I think, you know, all of us within our programs understand how important that is. And all of us in varying degrees trying to figure out what we're going to do to teach leadership. And for us, it's things through our book reads and, and putting uh, our unity council um, that we have put together. Um, I think putting our kids in leadership roles, whether it be in our strength and conditioning, uh, whether it be in the unity council that I mentioned, um, all of those things I think help build our culture and really help sustain things over time. Okay, and now you mentioned book reads and unity councils. Let's almost start with the book reads. What, what book reads have you done to help develop leadership? You know, through the years, we've done a variety, but really what we've stuck on uh, the last several years now, ever since it's come out, is chop wood, carry water, and also pound the stone. And, you know, what we have done in our program is big enough, and I would love to do chop wood, carry water with our freshmen, and I know some coaches do that. Um, really, we do it with our juniors, and then we do pound the stone with our seniors. Um, and we feel like, you know, the pandemic really screwed us up in that way, but, um we feel like that gives us, you know, uh, a true foundation of getting the kids to understand what we want, how we want them to act, how we want them to lead, and get everybody pulling in the same direction. Uh, I I love chop wood, carry water, coach. I I got yeah. I had heard about it and I'd kind of heard some things about it, and then during I think right before COVID. So when I start, and I, I just audio booked it because it's just simpler while I'm doing stuff to just listen. And I, it's probably one of the, I don't like best books I've listened slash read to ever. Like it's just, yeah. I got, uh, I got really lucky. Um, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, um, he's a big believer in, in Joshua Metcalf's books and the author of Chop Wood, Carry Water. And uh, Metcalf was at Iowa State at one time giving a presentation to the coaching staff and um, also the the football coaches and you know it happened to be a day that I was up visiting Iowa State and I was able to sit in on that um, and just listen to him uh, talk about his book talk about his experiences and and how it can relate uh, to the football team and and uh, it was uh, it was a great learning ground for me and it's uh, it's been pretty important to our program. And then, okay, and then the next spot I want to go to is the Unity Councils. What what does that all entail within your program? Uh, typically, what we'll do is, uh, and it's more of an in-season thing. We will meet with the kids once a week, and really, uh, the kids are voted upon by their peers. Um, we will have six seniors, we'll have four juniors, we'll have 
three sophomores and two freshmen. And in a, a larger football program, we have about 200 kids, nine through 12 for the state of Iowa. That's, you know, a fairly good number. <laughs> and, you know, the sophomores and the freshmen, they will practice, you know, at different locations of campus, but I, I'm really never next to them. And what the Unity Council lets me do is to stay in touch really with all of our, our, how our kids are feeling in our program, but with the, the varsity team where I spend most of my time, I have a pretty good pulse of, of what's going on because I'm around them day in and day out. With our sophomores and our freshmen, I'm not. Um, I hear the coach's version of how things are going, but I oftentimes don't hear it from the kids. And so really what the Unity Council does is it allows me to get a feel for every level within our program. What is going well? What are things that we have to work on? Uh, maybe what are issues that maybe we need to address? Maybe it's just at the lower levels. Maybe it's just at the varsity level, or maybe it's program wide. But I think it gives the players a voice, um, and uh, they know who's on Unity Council. And if they want to bring something to them, they can, which that doesn't often happen. But I think me as a head coach, I've learned an awful lot uh, from these kids in the Unity Council. It's been really, really good for me over the years. Now, I, I want to hit back on that because you mentioned 200 kids there. Obviously, wanting helps get kids out. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I mean, especially with the success you guys have had with eight state titles, seven in a row, that's a big factor. I'm, I'm not going to – but what else would you attribute to getting those kind of numbers out? Because let's just be honest, those kind of numbers in any state are good. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think it's about relationships. I think the kids understand that we care about them. Um by other means than just how good they are in football. And, and uh, you know, that's that may sound like clinic speak, and, and all of us, you know, transformational coaching is, is a buzzword that we hear a lot. And, you know, as the athletic director here, I've, I've got a little bit of control over that. And we've had every single one of our coaches trained in 3D coaching, uh, which is really a model of teaching transformational coaching. And to us, we want to reach these kids on a whole nother level than just the sport that they play. And um, I think I have surrounded myself with a lot of people that believe in helping kids achieve things that they don't think is possible. And for some of them, it may be on the football field. For most of them, it won't be. Um, but we may be the, the, the parent that's, that some kids don't have. We may be the advocate that, that others don't have. And we may be the one person that, that uh, applies the kick in the rear end when they need it as well. So um, to me, it's about how we treat our players, how we make them feel. And in the long run, that's going to help us get more kids in our program. Yeah. And then, I mean, how do I want to word this? Um, because I originally was going to ask you about the importance of culture, and I think through our, our, our 10 minutes of conversation, that's kind of obvious. Um, how has your – and I kind of asked this a little bit earlier, but I want to kind of morph how I asked it. In terms of culture, you mentioned 3D coaching there. Um, has what you use to represent your culture changed over these years in terms of – like some coaches have like a culture playbooks that stuff they put everywhere. Some coaches have buzzwords. Some coaches have this, have that. Like what, like combination of like what, obviously the 3D coaching, but what else is your culture? And then how has that morphed over the 16 years? Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair question. And I, I just think coaching in, in certain terms has changed some. And, you know, here I am in my early fifties and, and, uh, 
you know, my head coach, he just did the things he wanted you to do because he told you to do. Yeah. And uh, those days are really over. Um, you know, some kids may still do that. But at the end of the day, I think you have to have a vision. You have to sell that vision. And, and also how you make those players feel. Um, do their parents trust you? And, and does the administration, they trust you to do your job? There's a lot of factors there. And um, I think we as head coaches are constantly selling um, our programs and, and how it's going to benefit that child and our team. And I think you have to approach your entire program that way. Part of it is, is marketing. Um, take social media, for example, which certainly isn't my strength, but I, I've got coaches that handle our team Facebook and, and Twitter and, and those types of things. And um, that, that resonates and connects with kids. And so I think that's part of, of something that has changed. So I think it's really evolved through the years. And I think us as veteran coaches, you can go one of two ways. No, I'm going to keep doing the things I've always done because that's all I know, or I'm going to evolve and try to connect with kids that, you know, are, I'm not going to say they're, they're totally different than they were back in the day, but I think identifying with them and getting to them has changed a little bit. Okay. Now, next place I want to go is, is terms of staff delegation. Obviously, I'm talking to your DC about doing something for here as well. Um, but do you call your offense, or how do you delegate stuff there, and for the rest of your staff? Yeah, I, th I think a critical part for any head coach is to give your guys responsibility and let them do it. And um, just an example of that is if you take our offense, you know, our staff is probably not divided up much different than anybody else's. But if you take our offense, I do call the offensive uh, plays on Friday nights, but every coach in that room that has an offensive role um, has a say in the game plan. And that's how we go kind of go about things. Obviously, my offensive line coach um, really with our running back coach spends a lot of time looking at our run game. Our quarterback coach and our wide receiver coach spend an awful lot of time looking at our pass game and really we come together and we put our game plan together. Um, during the course of the ball game, they're always free to give suggestions of, of certain situations or certain adjustments that we have to make. As I mentioned, ultimately, I'm the one that's making the call, but I wouldn't say it's just Tom Wilson's offense. It's really everybody on our offensive staff's offense and, and we're in it together. Uh, defensively, uh, I have had the same defensive coordinator since I got here, and, and he does a, a terrific job. He was really, really young when I hired him. He was already on staff, and he was a sophomore coach, um, but he's really evolved into a fantastic football coach, and, and we've got great coaches on, on the defensive side, and really that's their baby. Uh, they, they let me know what they're going to do. Um, they'll explain it to me before they put the game plan in, at least what they want to do, and then... I basically nine times out of 10 say, go for it. Uh, there's other times where I may have a question or two and, and they tell me what they've got and we make some decisions. And then I have co-special team coordinators, um, but everybody is involved. Uh, I probably am more involved in, in special teams than, than most head coaches are, but that's really the importance that I think it has in the, in the winning of football games. But uh, really our entire staff has a role in, in all of those. Now, I, I mean, obviously, us talking back and forth, you're, you're a no-huddle spread team at this point. Um, when did you start running no-huddle spread? Has it been like that since you've been there? 
And then how has that morphed as since you started running it? Yeah. Boy, there's been a lot of transformations during that time. I was basically a 21 and 20 personnel uh, prior to getting here. And really my first couple of years as the head coach, it, it remained that way. We would get into occasional 10 or 11, but uh, nothing major out of it. And really what happened with us is, you know, in our area, um, and as I mentioned, the first few years, you know, we did okay um, and, and had a, had nice football teams at that time, but we hadn't gotten over the hump. And, and uh, you know, looking at our opponents, um, we were usually smaller at the line of scrimmage. We had some nice skill players. We didn't feel like we had enough depth at that time, but we felt like we had to find something to give us an advantage. And, you know, Valley of West Des Moines is our, our biggest rival, um, and they do a great job in their program. Uh, Ankeny was another at that time who, ironically enough, just won the state championship this year. Their players looked better than ours, especially at the line of scrimmage. And, and we felt like, okay, if we're ever going to beat them, it's not going to be in 21 personnel and banging our head against the wall all the time. Um, so we started to evolve to an offense that we felt best fit our style and and the type of players that we had. <laughs> Fortunately enough, we, we were going to have some quarterbacks that can run and, and uh, things like that. So um, I, we spent a lot of time you know, studying the spread. And you say the spread, and that, that can mean a hundred different things just, just by that. And, um, you know, Ken Leonard at, at Sacred Heart Griffin High School in, in Springfield, Illinois, was a major contributor to, to what we do and, and still is, to be honest with you. And even his son, Derek, who's at Rochester High School uh, in Indiana. Um, so we have evolved and we, you know, we have a step, we can change our tempos, things like that. But just because we're spread, you know, we're still the same personnel. I mean, it may be 21, 20, uh, a lot of 11, some 10. Um, but we try to mix things up. But to us, we felt like we could control the tempo of the ball game, spread the field um, without having the biggest guys in the world. And, you know, a few years ago, that all changed because we we're basically 300 pounds across the board and we hadn't had that since and uh, hadn't had it before. So um, it's been good for us, but it evolves each and every year basically on the talent that we have at, at that particular year. Okay. I, I, want, like, I wanted to hit on that quickly, but I want to swing back to kind of your program because I always get interested when, when I start talking culture and program development. Um, how – now, obviously, with all the stuff we had to deal with this year, how did that alter your practices and your meetings with your kids – given all the COVID regulations, restrictions, all that unfortunate stuff. Yeah, you know, the, the toughest part where I felt we lost ground more than anything else was just our workouts in the spring and going into the summer. And, you know, the, the gains that we've been able to make in our off season and pre-pandemic were have been phenomenal. Our, our strength guy does an awesome job. And, and I think that's really where we connect with the kids on a deeper, deeper level when we're struggling together and working together. I, I feel like that connection is that much uh, stronger, but we didn't get that this year. And, you know, earlier we talked about the book reads. We didn't get to that this year just because of, of everything that was going on. And, um, 
so we finally got to start being able to get our kids in the weight room July 1st. And, you know, then we're starting a month later, no team camp uh, off campus, like what we've done in the past. And uh, then we got into our camp and really all the meetings were done virtually. Um, we had the kids divided in pods, uh, never had very big numbers around each other. They, only, they had their own water bottles. Um, you know, you, you're, you're masked uh, all the time. We had, you know, the plastic shields and things like that on our helmets, which was obviously different. They didn't have those on, they had a mask on. Uh, everything was different. And, and I think just like most programs around the country who were lucky enough to play in the fall, uh, you just had to change basically everything that you did, all your traditions of whatever you did in the pregame in the locker room or anything like that were, were no longer. So it was a big change, but all of us were going through it together. And, and uh, you know, fortunately, we were able to get through. Now, you mentioned the strength program there, and, and I've done a really bad job when I interview some of you guys asking about that. Well, first, before I get into what your strength program looks like, how much is that like? Because I'm always curious when coaches have been at places for a while, how much stuff's changed. And I and I apologize for pretty much asking a modified version of the same question over and over again. But how much has your strength program evolved? Obviously, with science, with I mean, you've been a head coach at multiple spots, um, and you, how has that evolved and improved over the course of that over your course of your entire career, really? Well, it's changed a lot because, uh, you know, when I first got into it, you know, strength training was, it was a thing, but it wasn't everything. And, and to me, I think it's everything in your program now um, because it really builds your culture within your program, which those are the things that I think are, are most important. And, you know, when I took the job here, uh, that, that was my position was uh, the coordinator of strength and conditioning throughout the athletic department. Okay. And, um, basically we needed unification and, and uh there's a, a million and one good things that you can do in athletics within your strength and conditioning but in a high school setting to me you have to be unified and and uh, if you have your football coach preaching one thing and the basketball and track coach and baseball coach or whoever uh preaching another you're all working against each other and so uh, i spent several years uh as a clinician for bigger faster stronger uh during the early part of my career and even at the beginning of, of when I was at Dowling, and uh, that's really what I've always used. And, and some people may call it a canned program, but uh, really what it's done is our, our core lifts and our sets and our reps, that part has not changed a bit since uh, I got my first head coaching job in 1990 at English Valley High School. Now, the presentation of it um, has changed, and really where that has changed is as coaches, uh, we've become more knowledgeable, but you know, after five years as, as coordinating the strength and the conditioning, then I became the athletic director. Uh, at that point in time, I hired somebody to replace me that lasted a couple years, and then he took a head coaching job elsewhere. But I thought he uh, did a good job of taking things another notch above. And then I hired Adam Jack, who I currently have now, who's been with me, you know, pretty close to eight to 10 years. And I think he's taken it to a whole different level. And the incorporation of things like yoga and really just the body movement. Um, our, our program hasn't changed. The buzzwords and the teaching haven't changed, but I think we've been able to supplement our, our strength and conditioning program to take things to a better <coughs> level. And I give I give Coach Jack all the all the credit in the world for doing that. 
Now, and this is kind of probably going to be the last question I'm going to ask because I don't want to take too much of your time. And um, I know the Chiefs, and we have a bunch of games today, so I think we're all kind of excited for that. Um, but it, there's a kind of a common theme I've noticed is, and you you keep talking about evolving and learning, and from a and that's sounds like from a program across the board, and I, I think that's a tremendous quality that more co- coaches should have that don't. Um, how much do you encourage or ask your assistants to look at involving your assistants and them, their, your programs themselves, the culture, the strength, everything? How much do you encourage them or ask them to do each offseason to create that evolution? A lot. And I, and I think that that's been a big key to our success is that just because something has worked, doesn't mean something can't change. And uh, I think that's been a secret to us is that we've never rested on our laurels. We're always looking for what can help make us more successful. We don't feel like we have all the answers. You know, one of the best trips that I we've taken in recent years is that <coughs> I took my staff out to the University of Indianapolis. Uh, my brother is the offensive line coach and the old coordinator there. Uh, we spent uh, a day with them. Then we went to St. X in Cincinnati, uh, spent time with them. Uh, then we went to Miami of Ohio, spent time with them. And that's an example of everything that, that what we like to do in our off season is to go to a variety of places like that, that where we have connections, where I can handpick and I know exactly what they do offensively, defensively, special teams, cultural wise, but I know there's things I can learn from. And one of the things that I do when I hire coaches is I want to hire football junkies. I I want them to constantly wanting to learn. And sometimes they may bring something to me and I think there's no way in hell we're ever going to do something (laughs) like that. But at least that they are looking at things that will help make us better. And I think that's really critical is I learned a long time ago, me as the head coach, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. You have to have great people around you and people that are hungry and love the game and are passionate about kids. And I've been fortunate enough to, to get that here. Well, Coach, I probably could sit here and ask you questions for the next six hours and still keep going because this has been fantastic. But, again, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And, um, like I said, I, we got a couple games on this afternoon. And, um for anybody listening, watching, depending on whether you're looking at this YouTube or one of the podcast apps, um, Coach's contact information in terms of his Twitter will be in the bio. Um, so if you're interested in more discussion with him, please reach out to him, give him a follow, um, ask questions. Um, me and Coach have essentially gone back and forth for weeks at this point trying to set this yeah. up and figure this out. And, um, so please reach out to him. Um, also, like and subscribe. Uh, remember that helps the channel, helps the channel grow, and helps people find not not only this video but other videos. Um, and kind of remember that's kind of the point of this channel is kind of give other coaches a platform. Um, Coach, I want to thank you. Uh, this was a fun little conversation, um, and and I hope you stay safe and safe, healthy, Coach. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.